day of worship with the singing of a psalm. Psalm 100. All people that on earth do dwell sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Psalm 100. We'll stand as we worship the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Now let us unite our hearts together in prayer. Let us seek the Lord and commit the ministry of the word now on to the Lord. Let us pray. Loving, eternal, gracious, heavenly Father, in the precious and peerless name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we buy humbly in thy holy presence this Sabbath morning. Dear Lord, I thank thee afresh for the return of this thy day. We bless thee, Lord, for the Christian Sabbath, 
that day, Lord, that thou hast sanctified and set apart. Lord, we can leave the things that occupy our time and attention the other days of the week and come, Lord, and spend time in thy presence, fellowship and communion, Lord, with thyself. Though loving God, as we bow before thee this day, we thank thee for all thy mercies. Bless thee, Lord, for the tokens of thy grace. The dear Lord, we experience and receive thy gracious hand each and every day. How good is the God we adore, our faithful, unchangeable friend, whose love is as great as his power, knows neither measure nor end. And, O Lord, we have come this morning to worship thee, O Lord, to return thee thanks for all that thou hast done for us. Yea, all that the Lord has done for me, I never will cease to praise him. And, O Lord, we thank thee for gathering each one of us into thy house this Sabbath morning. And, O Lord, help us, I pray, to worship thee, to praise thee, Lord, from the heart. Save us, Lord, from being like those of old who draw nigh to thee with their lips, but their heart is far from thee. Lord, grant us today heart worship. Give us, Lord, the listening ear. Lord, as thy word goes forth, pray, Lord, that indeed we'll be listening for that still, small voice of our beloved. So, Lord, abide with us today. Lord, bless this congregation. Remember Dr. Saunders and his dear wife. Lord, we pray thou would bless them. And, O loving God, for all in the congregation, those, Lord, that perhaps are not too well at this time, Lord, we bring them before thee. Thy Lord knowest all of our needs. And dear loving God, come and meet those needs. According to thy praise, thy honor, and thy glory. Lord, come and abide with us now. Draw near to us. Grant us, Lord, a fresh glimpse of our Savior. For it is in and through his precious name we ask all these things. Amen. Going to sing a hymn now to the Lord's praise. Hymn number 137. What a wonderful, tremendous hymn this is when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. 137. We'll stand once again to worship the Lord.
again. You may be seated. Now, if you have your Bible with you this morning, we're turning now in God's Word to the first epistle of Peter, turning to 1 Peter in the chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, and we'll commence our reading at the opening verse and read down to the end of the verse 10. First Peter 2, beginning our reading at the opening verse. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies, and envies and all evil speakings. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same has made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Amen. Ending our reading there, verse 10. Pray the Lord will bless the public reading of his holy and infallible word to all of our hearts. I'm now going to call upon Mr. McAnally to come now and bring the necessary announcements for this week in the will of the Lord.
We bid you a very warm welcome to God's house today. Good to see each one of you. I think I had the privilege of welcoming you in person at the door, but if I missed you when you came in, my apologies, but we do welcome you in the name of the Lord today to his house and those viewing online today. We also welcome you to our service. As you can see, Pastor Saunders is away today. He and his wife, Jill, have traveled to the U.S. to be with their family, and so we're thankful that Pastor Cranston is here with us today to bring the word, and many of you know Reverend Cranston, but those perhaps who have just joined us recently don't know him, and he is the minister of our church in Port Hope, Free Presbyterian Church, just down the highway, about 45 minutes. So we're thankful that he's here today, and we welcome him, and pray that the Lord will bless him as he brings the word to us today. And in turn... Our brother Robinson has traveled down to Port Hope this morning to cover the pulpit there in Mr. Cranston's absence, and we pray for Brother Robinson as he will bring the word to the people there as well. 5.50 this afternoon is our usual pre-service prayer time before the evening service and 6.30 for our evening service. Following the evening service tonight, there will be a time of fellowship in the basement, and everyone is welcome and encouraged to stay behind and have a time of fellowship together. Uh, Lord willing, our pastor will be back on Tuesday, and so therefore he will be with us on Wednesday to bring us the word at our weekly Bible study and prayer time at 7.30 on Wednesday. Jim Knight Fellowship continues on Friday night at 6 p.m. to 9 and Lord willing, our pastor will be with us next Lord's Day for both services in the will of the Lord. And next week being the first Sunday of the month is our communion service. Uh, but pay attention, please, and to the detail that it will, our communion time will be in the evening service. Communion in the evening service. I brought you a little report on Wednesday about our, the Kellys, uh, Brother Steve and, and Sister Carol, and a report then was that they were stable and they are continue to be in that state. They are at home. They are stable at this time and we continue to pray for them. Pray for their daughter Esther as they have to consider the future and what that would look like and pray for Esther. She looks after them at this time. So please keep the Kellys in your prayers. Of course, all the other ones on our prayer list, please continue to remember them. May we not just look at our bulletin and just flip the page, but let's take each one of them to heart and pray for them that the Lord would indeed touch their bodies and encourage them. I believe that's all the announcements for today. Good to see you here, and Lord willing, we look forward to Pastor Cranston as he will bring the word to us now. Thank you, Brother Jonathan, for the words of welcome. It's good to be here and to renew fellowship with you. I'd like to thank you for your prayers of late and also your continued prayer support for our work in Port Hope. As John says, Mr. Mac- Mr. Robinson is preaching in Port Hope today, and I'm, I'm sure he'll have a full church today because this long weekend we always get a, quite a number of Dutch Reformed people joining with us And uh, so I'm sure he'll enjoy ministering to a full church. So we're glad to be here. And again, I do thank you for your prayers. 
We're going to sing another hymn now to the Lord's praise, hymn number 375. Peace like a river is flooding my soul, since Christ my Savior maketh me whole. 375, we'll stand again as we worship the Lord with our praise. Amen. You may be seated. Let us turn, please, to the first epistle of Peter, chapter 2, in the portion of that chapter we read together, First Peter and chapter 2. When we have God's word now open before us, Let us unite our hearts in prayer and look to the Lord for his help in the preaching and in the hearing of God's word. Let us pray. Loving eternal God, we bow humbly in thy presence once again. Though, Lord, thou knowest 
what our need is. And, O Lord, how we need thee to help in the preaching of the word and, Lord, in the hearing of thy word. Pray, Lord, thou will speak to our hearts today. Thy Lord will encourage us, lift up our spirits, strengthen us, Lord, in the things of God. Pray now, Lord, thou would grant to me the help, the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And Lord, I might be enabled to preach the word. And in preaching the word, I will always endeavor to preach Christ. Speak well of him, his finished work, and his precious shed blood. Lord, come and abide with us now. Draw near, Lord, to each one of us. Do pray and ask all these things. The Savior's holy and precious name. Amen. Maybe the hymn that we have just sung will give you an idea of what our text is for this morning. It's found there in verse 7. Words of Peter, of course. Unto you, therefore, which believe he, that is Christ, is precious. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious. In Peter's two epistles, the apostle was very fond of using the word precious. And we see that Peter used that word precious no less than seven times. Seven in Scripture, of course, is the number of perfection or completeness. And certainly the Christian that possesses all those precious things in First Peter and Second Peter is certainly a complete believer, complete in Christ. And all that Peter describes as precious is complete and perfect. He speaks about precious faith on two occasions. First Peter 1, verse 7. Second Peter 1, verse 1. Then, referring to the Lord Jesus, he called him the precious stone. First Peter 2, verses 4 and 6. And then has something to say about precious promises. Second Peter 1, verse 14. And of course, drawing our attention again to Christ, he speaks about his precious blood. His precious blood, 1 Peter 1, verse 19. And what believer would not give thanks unto God for the precious blood of Christ? And surely that is one of the reasons why Peter says, Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious. 
Of course, that was not always that way. No. We know, believe that there was a time when we looked at Christ and thought about Christ and was told about Christ, we did not see him as precious. There was nothing in him to attract us. The Isaiah tells us that, saying he hath no form nor comeliness. That's how we saw him. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. That's right. And so it is with the unbeliever today. The unbeliever does not see anything attractive about Christ. But it is a much different story for the believer. Peter says, Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. To the believers, the Lord Jesus is all preciousness. There is nothing in him or about him that is not precious to the believer. And he became precious to us the moment we were born again. And our eyes were opened. And the one who before we saw no beauty in him, now we see all beauty. He is precious. To you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. Isn't that right, believe? Christ is precious to us. So the Lord Jesus is precious to us, first of all, because of his preeminence. He is precious to us because there is none like him. There is none like Christ. Praise his name. There is none like him. He is the pearl of greatest price. He's the bright and the morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000, yea, 10,000 times 10,000. He is precious because of his preeminence. And there we think of his stature. His stature. It is recorded of Israel's king Saul. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. 1 Samuel 9, verse 2. And so King Saul was head and shoulders above everyone else. That's speaking about his physical stature. But when we look at Christ and his spiritual stature, his divine stature, he stands higher and taller than all men, all men. That's right. That's right, believer, there is none like him. There is none like Christ. We admire Abraham for his faith. 
as a man who believed God. We admire Moses as a man who spoke with God as friend to friend. We admire David. We admire David for his fearlessness and how he continually fought the Philistines and also went out against the giant of Gath and slew him. We admire Daniel. Daniel is a man who knew what it was to have fellowship with God in prayer. We admire Paul. We admire Paul for his faithfully carrying out his work as a great missionary. Yes, all of these men and many more, you could say they stand head and shoulders above all others in the church of God. Ah, but Christ stands above them all. Christ's stature is higher and greater than them all. That's why it's precious to us as believer. Because, because there is none like him. There is none like Christ. Not one. So he's precious to us because of his stature. He's precious to us because he is sinless. That's right. Look upon the Lord Jesus. Examine his words. Look at his works. Study his ways. And with one of old, with one of old, you would be compelled to say, I find no fault in him. No matter who else we look at and examine their lives, we find a fault there. And look at ourselves. And we know we have many faults. There were faults in Abraham. There were faults in Moses. There were faults in David. But we look upon Christ and no fault can be found in him or will we ever find a fault in him. Because Paul tells us that Christ is holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. Hebrews 7 and 26. That's right. Holy. You think of it. Christ is holy. It means with him we can enjoy his holy company. We can enjoy a holy conversation with him. He's harmless. He's harmless. He will never do any harm to any of his people. Never. He is as I've often described the Lord Jesus, 
have often described Christ as the perfect gentleman. He's the perfect gentleman based upon what Paul said about him. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1, Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Think of that. The meekness and gentleness of Christ. He's the perfect gentleman. Is that not a description of one who is harmless, holy, harmless, undefiled? Is that not what makes the Lord Jesus the perfect gentleman, holy, harmless, undefiled? We see in him meekness and gentleness. Yes, Paul says he's undefiled, holy, harmless, undefiled. That word undefiled, that word undefiled means immaculate. Boy, what a description of Christ. He is immaculate. And everywhere we look upon him, we see him as our immaculate Savior, our immaculate friend. He is our immaculate Redeemer. That's why, that's why we can say he's precious. Think of it the ways and the wickedness and the words of the world, if we give attention to them, will defile the mind. Isn't it such a blessing then to wrap yourself up in Christ, to wrap yourself up in him, shutting out the world and simply to walk with him? who's holy, who's harmless, who is undefiled, who is separate from sinners, knowing, knowing that nothing unseemly will pass between you and him. Is it any wonder Peter said unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. Praise the Lord. Hand on heart. He's precious to me. I love him. I love him with all my heart. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. Indeed, the word precious can be rendered preciousness. Preciousness. Christ is all preciousness. That is in his stature. And he's sinless. He's precious too, is because of his sacrifice. Someone said, Tell me not what a man says about me. 
but tell me what a man will do for me. And of course, every believer looks upon Christ as being all preciousness because what he has done for us. I were to ask you, why is Christ precious to you? I want you to write down. Write down why you look upon Christ as being precious to you. You may wonder, well, where do I begin? And where can I end? Is it not true that we could write many books of all the things that our Lord has done for us and why he's so precious to us? The hymn writer has put it right. For all the Lord has done for me, I never will cease to praise him. And for his grace so rich and free, I never will cease to praise him. And is it not what the Lord did for us at Calvary that makes him precious to us? Among so many other things, he who is God, he who is God, became man that he might go to the place of sacrifice on a lonely hill outside Jerusalem and there to lay down his life. Could the Lord Jesus have done anything else? Has he could he have done anything more to make him more precious to us? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Sure, when he gave his life for us, he gave us all for us. He gave us all. Paul said, who gave himself for our sins, that we might be, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Galatians 1.4. That's right, he's precious to us because he gave himself for our sins. He gave himself. He gave himself. There at Calvary, his life was not taken from him. No. Didn't he say, I have power to lay down my life and I have power to take it up again. Christ did not die as a martyr. No, sir. He gave himself. He gave himself. He gave himself. What did he give himself to? Well, he gave himself to the armies of the underworld who arrayed themselves against him and tortured him. That's what he gave himself to. 
They stripped him. There he hung upon the cross, naked, put to an open shame. They took the rod out of his hand and they began to beat him on the head. And the word that we have there in Matthew 27 is a word that tells us they didn't just beat him once, they beat him again and again and again and again. And they spit on him. And they cursed him. And they mocked him. That's what he gave himself to. He gave himself. And he gave himself to the wrath and indignation of a holy God in his judgment of sin. Because our sins were imputed to him. And our sins needed to be dealt with. And our sins needed to be judged. And they were judged. They were judged in Christ. Can any believer, believer say that the Lord's not precious to them? Something wrong. Who would have done such a thing for us? Who would have given themselves to suffer so much for guilty wretches such as we? The blessed Lord Jesus, he did it. He did it for us. And that's why he's precious. Let anyone ask us. Let anyone ask us why the Lord Jesus is precious to you, believer. All we have to do is say, look. Look. Look there on Calvary's hill. See the Son of God hang there, suspended between heaven and earth, and the blood flow from his head, his back, his hands, his feet, his side. And you ask me, why is he precious? To be. You wanted to look to the cross. Oh, let me kiss thy bleeding feet and bathe them and wash them with my tears. The story of thy love repeat in every drooping sinner's ears that all may hear the quickening sound since I, even I, have mercy found. That's why he's precious. That's why he's precious to me. He's precious not only because of his preeminence. He's precious because of his person. 
his person. So when we speak about the person of Christ, where do we begin? Where do we end? We could adopt the words of John when speaking about what Christ has done. If they should be written, every one of them, I suppose, that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. John 12, John 21, verse 25. And regarding the person of our dear Savior, he's precious to precious to us because of his love. His love. His love. We've considered his sacrifice and what he did for us in laying down his life. It was all because of love. But when we ask why, why would he do such a thing? Why would he do such an amazing thing? Well, we'll let Paul tell us. Tell us, Paul. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, Galatians 2 and 20. Yes, but there's more. There's more to it than that. Again, John will tell us. Tell us, John, tell us. We love him because he first First loved us, first John four nineteen. You get that? We love him because he first loved us. And oh how precious does that make the Lord Jesus to us long before we ever knew him, long before we ever looked upon him. He loved us even before the foundation of the world. What a mystery is that. He loved us even before the foundation of the world. And from that moment in eternity past, listen, Christ has never stopped loving us. even when our love for him grows cold. His love for us burns as bright as it ever did. Even when we feel him and do not live as we ought to as believers, still he loves us. For we are told, Proverbs 17, verse 17, 
We're told about our Savior. He's described as the friend who loveth at all times. He sticketh closer than a brother. That's who Christ is. He loves us, listen, at all times. So the love that Christ has for us is undeserved love. Unconditional love. Unending love. Oh, precious Savior. We thank thee afresh today for loving us. Lord Jesus, I thank thee for loving me. Looking at his person, he's precious to us because of his love, because of his loyalty, his loyalty. In all of this world, or 10,000 worlds, we could never find one as loyal to us as the Lord Jesus Christ. Never. We experience his loyalty to us when we consider his presence. His presence. Sure, isn't that what he has told us? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. There's his loyalty. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I love the way those words or if we just give a literal translation. The literal translation is, in no wise thee will I leave, nor in any wise thee will I forsake. Not lovely? In no wise thee will I leave, nor in any wise thee will I forsake. In no wise, in no wise, nor in any wise will I forsake thee. Oh, what loyalty. The Lord is saying, under no circumstances, under no circumstances will I leave thee. Praise the Lord. Under no circumstances will I leave thee. Even if our closest friends were to leave us and forsake us, we can rest assured we'll have one friend who will never leave us, the Lord Jesus Christ. David said, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Psalm 27, verse 10. The Lord will take me up. The Lord will take me up. 
Those words, listen, those words will take me up. Those words can be rendered, will gather me up. What a lovely way to put it. Will gather me up. So if we suffer the disappointment, yea, the devastation of being forsaken by our nearest and dearest, the Lord has promised. He's promised to be beside us. And when we're forsaken, he will gather us up. Oh, lovely Savior, he will gather us up. He'll gather us up in his arms, hold us close to his bosom, and will remind us again, in no wise thee will I leave, nor in any wise will I forsake. Is it any wonder Peter penned those words. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. We can say, Amen, Peter. Amen. We enjoy his loyalty, not only with his presence, but with his praying. So it makes Christ precious to us. Peter himself, of course, experienced the loyalty of the Lord Jesus, his Savior, when it came to praying for him. Remember? Remember how Peter boasted? Oh, all men may forsake me, but no, not me, no. What did the Lord say to Peter? Peter, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Luke 22, verses 31 and 32. You can look those verses up. There's two words in italics which tell us they're not in the original. Those two words are to have. Satan had desired to have you. Take out the two words to have. Read it now. Satan hath desired you. Satan hath desired you, Peter. His focus is on you, Peter. He wants to destroy you, Peter. He knows you've been zealous for me. And so Satan wants you, Peter. Ah, but Peter... I have prayed for thee. Whatever Satan wants, wants you to know, Peter, I have prayed for thee. Talk about loyalty. The Lord knew what Peter would do. 
The Lord knew the time would come when Peter would say, I know not the man. But still he prayed for him. He still prayed for him. The Lord Jesus stood loyally by the side of Peter, prayed for him. And as he was loyal to Peter, he's loyal to us with his prayers. That's why, to you who believe, he is precious. Romans 8, 34. It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Not good. Peter, I prayed for thee. You can put your name in there. And say, my child, I have prayed for thee. As long as Christ lives, as long as Christ lives, he'll be praying for us. It's true, isn't it? It's true, isn't it, that some people tell us, I'll be praying for you. And they forget. Christ will never forget. Because he has our names upon his heart. He has our names engraved in the palms of his hand. He has us in his thoughts. The Bible tells us that the Lord's thoughts of us are more than the sand on the seashore. That means he's thinking about us all the time. And again, some people promise to pray for us, but they never do. Christ will never break a promise. Praise his name. He'll never break a promise. And certainly when it comes to praying for us, he'll never break that promise. He's prayed for you today. He ever lived to make, he ever lived to make intercession for us. That's the friend we have. That's the saviour we have. And to us who believe, he is precious. His loyalty. We see it in his love. We see it in his loyalty, this person of Christ. He's precious to us because of his loveliness his loveliness, his loveliness. In the Song of Solomon, one of my favorite books of the scriptures, 
the bride or the Shulamite, described her beloved. And in reality, she's describing Christ. Christ the beloved. The Lord Jesus, our beloved, said, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. Song of Solomon 2, verse 1. Then the bride of the Shulamite was asked, What is thy beloved more than another beloved that thou dost so charge us? And then she started to describe her beloved. Says he's the chiefest among 10,000. Lovely way to begin, isn't it, to describe your beloved. He's the chiefest among 10,000. And then she went on to speak about his head, his eyes, his cheeks, his lips, his hands, his belly, his legs, his countenance. And I always think of that bride when she described her beloved, it was as if that she ran out of things to say, superlatives. She had exhausted her vocabulary in describing her beloved, and so she just completes her description by saying, Yea, he is altogether lovely. He's altogether lovely. In other words, didn't matter where she looked on her beloved, she saw nothing but loveliness. There was loveliness in his head, loveliness in his eyes, loveliness in his cheeks, loveliness in his lips, loveliness in his hands, loveliness in his belly, loveliness in his legs, and loveliness in his countenance. Yea, He is altogether lovely. Over in Revelation chapter 1, remember John on the Isle of Patmos. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he heard a voice behind him. And he turned <coughs> to see the voice that spake with him. And being turned, we are told, Revelation 1, verse 12, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girded about the paps with a golden girdle, and he spoke about his head, his hairs, his eyes, his feet, his voice, his right hand, his mouth, his countenance. You know what I find interesting about that? 
John saw Christ in the midst of seven golden candlesticks. Ah, but he wasn't taken up with the beauty of the candlesticks. And I'm sure they were beautiful. He wasn't taken up with the beauty of the candlesticks. He was taken up with the beauty of Christ. And he described what he saw. His eyes were focused on the Lord. And why is the Lord Jesus so precious to us? Because of his loveliness. Because of his loveliness. His preeminence, his person, he's precious to us because of his peace. In a world of trouble and strife, men are searching for peace. But all who seek Christ and receive him as Savior find in him the peace of God which passeth all understanding. And since the Lord is able to give us such peace, does that not make him precious? Yes, we received and experienced that peace. How? Through the blood of the cross. Peace through the blood of his cross. And that's why we sang this morning, peace like a river, flooding my soul. Since Christ my Savior maketh me whole, sweet peace abiding, my portion shall be. Jesus my Savior is precious to me. Be precious to you. Anyone here this morning and you don't know Christ, you don't see any beauty in him, why don't you come to him today? And you'll experience his love and his loyalty. You'll experience that peace which passeth all understanding. To you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. Praise the Lord. Let's bow in prayer. O oh dear Lord, eternal God, we give thee thanks afresh for thy Son. Yeah, we do love him because he first loved us. I, Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the pleasures of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I loved thee, my Jesus, tis now.
Lord, I pray for any maybe in the meeting today and they've never experienced thy salvation. They've never come to Christ. Never been saved by his grace. Know nothing of what there is in Christ. Lord, I pray that'll all change today. Some soul, even this morning, will come, repent of their sin, and cry out, Lord, save me. Again, dear Lord, keep thy good hand upon this congregation. Bless Mr. and Mrs. Saunders as they return home this week. Now, Lord, be with us as we leave the house of God. Take us to our homes in safety. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be our abiding portion now. And until the day breaks and the shadows all flee away. Amen. Amen.